and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? It's going very well, very well. How are you doing? Tired, a little tired. Um, getting a little tired of Mobile as well, so uh, fortunately heading home tomorrow. So uh, I'll be back just in time to cover the Miami Marathon with you on uh, on bright and early Sunday morning. Um, Yay, like 3am, 4am. What a, what a week. What a busy week. Um, obviously, um, I've been on the Brian Flores stuff all week, although I was still helping out a little bit on um, signing day, uh, remotely from here at the Senior Bowl, where, uh, there are no Miami Hurricanes playing, uh, unfortunately. Shrine Bowls tonight, though, and apparently, uh, Charleston Rambo's been playing really well out there. Maybe we'll talk some of that stuff next week. Uh, we're probably going to have to come back next week because there's going to be a lot of coaching news, it sounds like, for us to get into. We'll get into a little bit of that at the end. Uh, Kevin Steele obviously being hired as a defensive coordinator, but it's signing day week, which means we're talking recruiting. Um, and it was, uh, it was, I think the story of the, of Miami, there, there was no one simple story to tell, I think, of, of Miami on signing day. Um, I think overwhelmingly, like it's a lot more good than bad happened. And I think just the general, you could tell from the way Mario Cristobal was talking, obviously the fan base is, pretty happy with it um the numbers at this point bear it out too where they have a top 15 class according to 24 7's team rankings um but we want to obviously get to it all some misses on signing day in particular uh, at monsignor pace with five-star defensive lineman shamar stewart so we're gonna do the good the bad and the ugly of national signing day for the miami hurricanes um like i said a lot more good than bad and, and the good we'll start there uh just has to be, you know, it, there's been a lot made, I think, in the last couple of years that the transition class in this early signing period era is really, really tough. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal, we talked about it, obviously, on the early signing day that he put together a, a pretty solid foundation for the class in, what was it then? We said nine days, I think, between when he got to yes. got the job, yes. took over and, and became, and uh, that first Wednesday of the early signing period. Um, now, still less than two week, two months into coaching Miami. Uh, he's just kept adding to that group. And I, I think, you know, I, I won't say it's as good a class as you could have hoped for because obviously everyone was hoping they were going to get Shamar Stewart. But it would have been hard to ask for much more beyond that. Like, it, yeah, there's a miss here and there, but they also got a couple guys who were – not really on the radar. We're going to talk to Javante Citizen in a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, it's, it's a, it is as good a class as you're basically going to see in this early signing period era in a coach's first year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And even, and we'll talk about this, the misses, you know, the misses, the guys that he did not get, they really, none of them, they, maybe one of them, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We're expecting, but. But other than that, most of them they really weren't expecting. Would you agree on that? Yeah. I mean, by signing day, like there were no, there's honestly, there's like seldom surprises on signing day anymore, right? Like at least within the the coaching staff ranks. No one, very rarely is a guy picking up a hat, putting it on his head and the the coach of the school that he picked is like stunned, right? Or the coach that didn't, the coach of the school he didn't pick is stunned. The coaches always kind of know ahead of time. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you know, Miami, they, they definitely 
kind of went according to plan for them yesterday. You could see where some of the places where they missed, they had backup plans and locked up uh, good, interesting players, I think, across the board. Um, I guess we should just run down what they added yesterday. Um, a lot of offensive linemen. The big fish of the day was Trevante Citizen, uh, kind of a fringe top 100 running back from Louisiana, a uh, longtime LSU commit. Kind of sounds like it basically came down to Miami and Florida in the end there, uh, with LSU also involved. Um, they get a local kid, Ahmad Moten from Cardinal Gibbons, um, a late rising defensive tackle, a uh, guy who, you know, obviously I follow the high schools down here. He was not on anyone's radar his junior year. He was a backup defensive tackle at Gibbons, uh, and then becomes a first team all county performer and, and just like a little inside behind behind the curtain you know when we pick our all county teams we ask every coach in the area to like submit kind of a ballot and i'll say Ahmad moton's name came up a couple times in broward county as uh coaches saying he could be player of the year like i, I think oh, wow. and not, not not just from cardinal gibbons coach from other coaches around the county um basically just you know you, you don't run into guys like that it's a really tough matchup guy uh in high school football and then a couple offensive linemen round out the group Matthew McCoy from uh, Creekside up in St. John's, which I guess like St. Augustine area. Um, and Anez Cooper, uh, offensive tackle from J- Alabama, who is Mario Cristobal put it is one of the largest human beings you will ever see. <laughs> six, six, three fifty two is what he's listed on, uh, at 24 seven. Um, so, you know, they, they got, you know, they missed out on some offensive linemen, yeah. but they had some backup plans there. They missed out on Shamar Stewart, but they're able to get another good defensive lineman. Um, and then obviously Trevante Citizen, that's like the, that's the home run of the day for them. Definitely. You, what, what uh, 247 Sports had, had, um, had Inez Cooper as how big? I want to say 6'6", 352. Yeah, I think that's right. Wait, but, but Mario said he was 6'6", 364. Oh my God. And, yeah, and he said that, yeah, exactly. One of the largest human beings you'll ever see in your life. And he said that, uh, that at one point he weighed 400. Yeah. And, uh, they, they, you know, he, he lost, he's lost, he's gone from 400 to, if, if Mario's right, to, to 364. Yeah, he was just on campus the weekend. So they usually like weigh and measure, measure those guys. So that's probably pretty, pretty much right on what he had. Uh, yeah. And, in terms you, of know, his now you, you just have to hope it, it doesn't, it, that he's not just a big, massive. Right. Yeah. A lot of times, <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, uh, high school offensive linemen come into college with one of two problems. It's either they need to get, they're too heavy and need to get in shape or they're too skinny and they need to add weight. And it's actually kind of funny. Cooper definitely is in the got to lose some weight category. And the other tackle they got, Matthew McCoy is in that got to bulk up. So they got, they got two projects. Um, obviously interesting guys. Ta- offensive line is the hardest position to evaluate. Yeah, um, definitely. So you just get two huge guys who are both pretty athletic. Coop McCoy, I guess, was a tight end uh, for a lot of his high school career uh, until he played left tackle at Creekside this year. So, you right, know, they're right. interesting, right? You know, they missed out on Dave Ioli, who we're going to talk about later, who is like, right. kind of, sounds like a more finished product, you know, top 200 recruit. Um, but, you know, these are pretty good, like, backup plan kind of guys. You know, they're obviously they're not going to play next year in all likelihood. Um, oh, we said the same thing about, obviously about Zion Nelson when he came in. 
Um, but, but, you know, they're, they're good developmental guys and you can never have too many. And that one of the big takeaways, I think, from signing day, obviously the Tremonte citizen commitment wound up being like the biggest news piece of the day. Right. But to me, it was just interesting that, you know, Mario, we talked about it last week. He's just going to commit to building the trenches and, you know, they had no offensive linemen committed when he got here. And now they got a couple, couple, you know, again, not huge big time recruits, but interesting developmental pieces who you can just never have too many of those. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, I think Mario is right on a hundred percent. You got to get, you got to beef up both sides of the line, you know, not just the offensive line, but defensive line. And, um, and that's yeah. what, you know, Miami, that's what Miami did. Even, even with, you know, considering the, from, the early signing period, um, including the, the transfers. I mean, just right. you have to, you have to get those guys or, and especially with them losing well, at least four starting defensive linemen, you know, um, it, it was just imperative that they did that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Moten obviously falls into that category too. Uh, helping the trenches. Another thing, I think Mario even said, like, hard to find, you know, you can never have enough three techs. Um, you know, and especially in South Florida, you know, we produce a lot of, we produce good defensive linemen down here, but usually they're defensive ends. Um, you know, if you can find a guy who's 6'3", 290, like, you, you got to kind of lock that kid up if, if you think he's yeah. a player. And they, yeah, and they, and they, you know, they, they're getting, as far as the transfers go, they're getting one to at least two D tackles, uh, mm-hmm. in Jacob Lichtenstein. Yeah. Uh, and at a USC, we talked about him and also Antonio Moultrie, who we thought might be an edge kind of guy. Uh, Mario said yesterday that he's actually, he's going to play tackle. Right. So, um, you know, uh, I will say it's a little interesting because I kind of feel better about their situation at defensive tackle. We're getting off track a little bit here, but, um, you know, we, we all, everyone thinks Leonard Taylor is going to be a star. Obviously I'm, I really like Jared Harrison Hunt. Um, you know, Jordan Miller has been a really quality rotational piece for them for a couple of years. Um, the defensive end spot, you know, we'll see. Maybe Nigel e. Kelly will be a, a contributor, uh, and Cyrus Moss. Maybe they can be day one contributors, especially since they're, on campus already, but it's interesting that they've really gone after a lot more interior guys on that side of the ball to me, but we'll, you know. Yeah, me too. Me too. They're harder to find. Like I said, they're harder to find in South Florida, you know, where every, every cycle there's a guy like Nigel Kelly, usually two of them, you know, Shamar Stewart, obviously down here in South Florida. Um, So you're going to be able to just replenish that, I think a little bit easier, but, but for next year, um, I feel way better about the interior of this line. And that was even before, like we said, all these transfers. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure Mario, you know, it's, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting about the tackle, you know, deciding yeah. the guy tackle, but um, he knows. Mario knows. Yep. Uh, what was the, uh, you know, so Trevante Citizen, like I said, was the one who, you know, it's, I guess you've been, everyone was kind of thinking it was going to be Florida picks Miami on signing day. Um, as both of us tweeted about and wrote about, uh, that running back group is, was already pretty deep and now it's really deep. 
Uh, what, what did Mario have to say about him on, on Wednesday? Uh, he said he could, he said he could do it all. You know, he kind of said that about everybody. Uh huh. He said he called him an every down back. Yeah. That he, you know, that he can run through you. He can run around you. I mean, we, we, we hear the same thing about everybody, but yeah, obviously he's really good. Um, he can line up as a receiver. He said he's explosive, uh, hard to tackle. Um, so he seemed really high on him. And I, and I, I'm wondering if, you know, if maybe one of the other kids, Mario thinks they're going to transfer. You yeah. Know, I, yeah. I don't know. Like Thad Franklin. I, I love that. Fra- Thaddeus Franklin is one who I wish we saw more of. Yeah, I, I mean, when we saw him in, like, he was, like, totally a situational guy. What what was the game where he, like, it was the last home game, right? Where he, like, iced the game and had, like, ten straight Duke? carries. That... Was it Duke? Did they play Duke? I don't game? think it was the Duke. What was the last home game? Duke was the no, last Duke. game. Pittsburgh? It was, uh, I, I can't. Oh, Virginia no. Tech? I think Virginia Tech. I think it was Virginia Tech. Was it Virginia Tech? I have it right here. I don't know, but I just remember he ran the ball, like, eight straight times and got, like, three or four yards on every carry to like just keep getting first downs and they won the game. Oh, he gets, he had a really, really good average. Yeah. I, I, I think he's, he has, he's useful. They, I mean, they, they, they can't let him go, but yeah, like you said, uh, no, it, it feels I, like. I, I actually liked him. I always wanted to see him. This is just personal, you know, more than Cody Brown. And it was Virginia tech, by the way. Mm-hmm. And. uh Yeah. By the end of the year, he had kind of surpassed Cody Brown in that. Yeah, I, I think so. I and he, like he, Cody Brown. I oh, I want to see what their average was. Darn it! I'm looking. I'll find it. I'm going through. Uh-huh. This. But I'll I, vamp. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it feels like you know. First of all, we obviously you can never running backs in another position where you can never have too many just because guys get hurt. Here it uh, is. But right. yeah, I, I think you're right. Like they have to be thinking someone. Oh, here, here. Especially because they added Henry Parrish, too. Like, Oh, yeah, definitely. They're, they're just really deep there now. Now, David, he only had, it's funny, that Franklin, so weird. He only, he gained in five games 174 yards. Uh huh. A lot of that was in the, uh, central Connecticut game, probably, right? Probably two touchdowns. He averaged 7.5 yards a carry. Yeah. Cody on average 4.1, but he played in 10 games. Yeah. He only got 141 yards total. Yeah, both those guys didn't play that much, but they were both no. kind of the short yardage guys, and Miami's going to need one of them to, to play well next year. But, again, we're, we're getting way off track on on a, our running back deep dive here. Uh, yeah, Citizen's interesting because, you know, he's he has a chance to, whereas I think Thad and Cody Brown are kind of situational guys. and um, Right. You know, Citizen – feel like what Mario describes him as an every down back. It feels like his, like, I don't know if next year he'll be the starter, but like they clearly have him thinking he's, you know, you got Don Chaney, you got Jalen Knighton, who both can leave after next year. Um, You know, by then citizen could be like next in line. And that, that's a good, you know, the depth is, I don't know, maybe it's overcrowded right now, but you know, Don Chaney and Jalen Knighton both could have awesome years next year. And, go to the NFL and they would get a shot somewhere. Right. I talk about it all the time that running backs, a lot of running backs just leave when they can, because 
Yeah, your value. You get hurt. You get small miles on your value is never better than when you're young. Um, and they get hurt. there's no obvious succession plan in place for those guys. And Tremonte Citizen gives you that now potentially because again, like I love dad, but I think he's ultimately probably not a true every down back, um, in the way that Cheney and even Knighton proved to be. Um, you know, Henry Parrish will obviously be a, be a factor there too. Long term, I would think, but, uh, citizen, like that's a, that's a nice luxury to have. And that's a thing that, you know, now it just gives you a little bit more flex, roster flexibility going beyond next year. Yeah. And he's also David, he's what stands out to me, although is he's pretty tall yeah. uh, for a running back guy or for the ones I've been used to over the years in Miami, a lot of times they're like small, not small. You know, they're like thick. Yeah. Cam Harris. He's six one. Yeah, he's six well, that Cam Harris, wow. He's six one, according to Mario, according to all the recruiting sites, he's six foot, so it makes me think he's not six one at all. But uh-huh. he's still pretty tall and about two fifteen is what yeah. he is. I mean he's, he's got some of that Cheney build to him, right? Cheney, I don't know what Cheney's listed at, but I think he's, oh, he always strikes me as like a taller running back too, but yeah, like, but yeah, he's, he's, both of them have the the physique, the build to be an every down back in a way that, you know, Jalen Knight, like I said, proved to be that when he needed to last year, I think. Uh Um, But he's not, again, he's kind of not your prototypical running back. Citizen, Citizen gives you that uh, long-term. But yeah, just overall the, you know, that transition class is, in this era of football where coaches tend to only have these like three year lifespans, basically, unless you start winning right away, um, screwing up that transition class can really kill you. Um, you saw it, you know, that those are, uh, a lot of the coaches who are done in year three, it's because they rushed to fill that class. And a lot of those kids transferred out. Matt Baker at the Tampa Bay times, I think last year wrote a really good story about just how many of those kids who signed in transition classes wound up transferring or basically just being non-contributors. Um, you know, you never know what a class is going to look like until obviously two or three years out. And so it's possible that Mario's transition class will fall into a lot of the same issues that a lot of other classes have, but at least from a rankings perspective, this one is better. And I think for the most part, they did a good job filling needs where they need to. Um, and then, you know, you add a couple, couple luxury guys like, uh, Citizen, Skinner, I think, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to necessarily play next year, but it gives you again that flexibility where you know you've got your tight end of the future. Um, I right, still think, right. I still think Wesley Bissant's the most important kid they got in this. Oh, class. no, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He's the one guy I feel really confident about that with from this class. By the way, I have to, I have to, I know you hate when I do this, but I have to do an asterisk here. Uh, I just, I couldn't help it. Don Cheney. Is listed on the roster. Oh no, he's not that as five ten. That's not so five bad. 10. Yeah, yeah, that's still oh, bigger that than the five five eight running back. That means he's probably yeah. five nine. I, I'm telling you, they always add an inch. Yeah, nine, nine. Also about the transition classes. Uh, Two four seven did a story and they listed a chart and they said that for Miami, I guess the the last three transition classes, Manny Diaz actually. Actually, they weren't that bad. The rankings, 
uh, his class was number 27. They said 2019, Manny Diaz. Number 22 was Mark Rick in 2016. And mm-hmm. number, oh, number 33 was Golden, Al Golden. Yeah. 2011, but um, anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, like for example, like the the Manny Diaz transition class, which yielded some pretty good players. Um, like I'm just gonna read you all the the top. All, I'm gonna read you all the four star pro- prospects from that class: Jeremiah Payton transferred, Christian Williams transferred, Keontra Smith starter, Avery Huff hasn't really seen the field in a significant way yet. Correct. Yeah. Harvey. Starter, kind of a little underwhelming so far. They were obviously hoping he would be the defensive end last year. Jason yep, Blastet yep. had to medically retire. DeCorey Couch uh, mm-hmm. has been up and down, but uh, you know when he's the number 340 player in the country, that's a good pickup. And then the next one on the list, the other guy who I know had four-star consideration from some of the sites is Cameron Williams, who uh, obviously has transferred yeah. also. So a lot of, you know, yeah. that's – when when that happens in your transition class, you can be done in three years when you miss on five out of your seven blue top seven guys or whatever. Right. Um, again, this class Mario has is better. I think Mario is going to have a longer leash than Manny Diaz ever did. But um, <laughs> at least on paper, right. at least on paper, so far, again, you never know about it. It's like an NFL draft. You can't evaluate it until three plus years out. Um, right. On paper, um Mario Cristobal did a good job with this one. Yep. I think he did an excellent job, actually. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, yeah, let's get into... uh like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly is this very loose theme we're going to stick to. Okay. Um, again, like I said, much more much more good than bad and ugly. So we'll, maybe we'll kind of combine these last two. Um, sure. We want to wrap up here in, in a little bit here. Um, the bad, the, I mean, the worst news of the day for Miami was not getting Shamar Stewart, obviously. Um, I, I, like you said, they, everyone thought he was going to go to Texas A&M. Just because everyone thinks someone's going to go somewhere doesn't mean you, like, didn't miss, right? Like, Miami wanted him. He visited this weekend. Tried to seal the deal. Couldn't do it. Now, Shamar Stewart is the number one player in the state is going to Texas A&M instead. Um, a guy who, obviously, you want to keep your five stars home. And yeah. that one hurts. Yeah, I, I, I honestly never thought. Well, until the end, when they, when, when we found out that Mario hired Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator the night before Tuesday night, um, I, I don't know, David, I really, I had the sense that Shamar was going to go to UM. I, I don't know why I just did. I thought, 
okay, they worked something out where he knew about Kevin Steele and whatever. And I, I don't know. That was just, obviously I was wrong. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, otherwise I, everybody thought, as you had said before too, had told me that everybody thought he was going to go to Texas A&M anyway. Yeah, Miami was trying to make up ground the whole time. Texas A&M, I think, at the end of the summer, Shamar had a really good visit there right before his season, like, like whatever, that last weekend of July or whatever, right before high school practices started. He had a really good visit there. Texas A&M was the leader then. Miami was trying to play catch-up the rest of the time. Mario Cristobal helped, right, when once he got in the fold. I, I think it made Miami more of a serious contender, but they were never able to make up that gap on Texas A&M. Uh, which winds right. up the number one class in the country. And, you know, that's, again, the reason people are excited about the future of Miami. Uh, the first two names you probably hear listed are Leonard Taylor and James Williams. Five-star five star players tend to be pretty good once they get to campus. So, um, you know, Miami's got to obviously keep those kids home. And, you know, who knows? If, if Mario was there for the full cycle, maybe things would be different. Like I said, he was playing catch-up and – you know, sometimes when you're you're down by 20, you can play a great second half, but you, but you still lose. Right. The other the other uh, big miss from the day, I would say, uh, locally, uh, was R. Mason Thomas. Um, interesting situation there. Another guy r- rose late in the process. Um, wound up, I think, being a four star according to 24/7. Um, not to composite their own rankings. Um, a guy who was very seriously under consideration for our defensive player of the year in Broward County this year, uh, ultimately went to a couple of kids from Chaminade, um, was committed to Iowa State for a long time, ends up flipping to Oklahoma on signing day. Miami had him on campus over the weekend, too, for an official visit. Um, it's right, one that, another situation where, you know, maybe if Mario is there the whole time, he is recruiting him longer. But, no, he didn't offer – he didn't um, – Mason didn't get his Miami offer until Christmas. So like Miami, again, was just kind of fighting an uphill battle there. Um, Oklahoma, he had a relationship with Brent Venables from when Venables was at Clemson. Um, so, you know, he's a guy I think is going to be really good. Uh, his high school coach, Matt DeBuck, absolutely like raved about him to me when I was talking ahead of, um, signing day. Right. One of, you know, one of these situations, a lot of coaches, when I did that, that anonymous, let those coaches all talk anonymously about recruiting in South Florida. One of the big gripes they had was with, with Manny Diaz and Florida actually too. Uh, Dan Mullen was, um, you know, they would sometimes kind of not trust the coaches. They would, uh, you know, they, they would, they want to make, see it with their own eyes. They don't want to take the coach's word for it. Um, when, you know, at, when Colonel Gibbons for two years has known that this kid is going to be great. He's just got to keep growing, keep getting a little bit more filled out. Um, and like I said, maybe if Mar, maybe if Mario's here the whole time, maybe they offer Mason Thomas early. Maybe they're recruiting him hard early. Um, but ultimately, it played out in the way that I know that has frustrated coaches a little bit where, um, you know, the hidden gem, you can't let your hidden number one, you got to keep your five stars home, but you also don't want to lose your hidden gems, right? Nothing frustrates Miami fans more. Them when they don't offer Tutu Atwell and he goes on to become an all-conference receiver at Louisville or uh, don't offer who was the uh, pit defensive end a couple years ago who was like a All-American from Cooper City, right? You, you miss out on him and he ends up, Rashad Weaver, right? I think that's it. Um, so, 
two two different kinds of misses, but those are both the kind of the worst news of the day for Miami. And and two two guys in a position of need. You know, Mason's a little small. He's got some, I think, like two hundred twenty pounds. So I don't know if he would have been a contributor this year, but you know, defensive line, like we said, important position to have guys at. The last miss of the day, which is what I qualify as the ugly here, is uh, Dave Iuli, offensive lineman from Washington. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his high school. Um, was committed to Mario and uh, Alex Mirabal at Oregon. De- I think he decommitted on Christmas. Um, a lot of people – last week, yeah, I, I've been away, so I haven't been, like, doing the recruiting reporting as much as I usually would be doing this time of year. But sounded like everyone thought he was going to go to Miami. Um, and then he visits Oregon over the weekend and Oregon's able to get him to come back into the fold for them. That would have been, you know, the best ranked offensive lineman in the class, an interior guy, which are again, always a little bit easier to come by than tackle. So it's not as crippling, but you know, Miami, that that's one of the, the real misses that Mario Cristobal has had. And we talked about it last week. Are they going to be able to really get these guys to come from the West Coast, these offensive yeah. linemen? Yeah. Right now, you know, we were worried about it in two, three years from now. Um, you know, they get a transfer from Oregon, but otherwise, um, you know, that's a guy they obviously at one point thought they were going to get. And, you know, another offer on those, those West Coast linemen. We'll see what Josh Connerly does when he decides next month. But that's the concern with, uh, Trying to go national is you, you got to convince a guy to come from Seattle to Miami. And that's a long way. It's a long way. And, and when you, you know, we've talked about this before, your last trip is that's a, that's a one schools want. They want to be the, the last trip yeah. you take. And, you know, as parents, I think, uh, I mean, it is a, it's a, it's a very long trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do it I, to see my daughter a lot, right? To, Right. It's just, it's just a, for parents, it's a lot. Um, and, uh, and also, you, you know, you feel comfortable with what you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you feel comfortable with where you are, although it's interesting. I know we talked about Shamar, you know, it's interesting. Some of the kids do go away, but, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that was a big miss. That was a big miss, but um, I don't know how much the parents had to do with that. Yeah. Um, the other ugly for me is just, uh, and this is something like, this is not a normal class, obviously, Miami transition class, Florida transition class, uh, Florida State uh, just can still can't get it right, it feels like. Um, but the out-of-state schools, once again, cleaned up in South Florida, in particular, Texas A&M and Georgia. There were four or five stars in the state. Two went to Texas A&M, two went to Georgia. Um, you know, Alabama got theirs, right? That, that's the challenge. You got to keep those guys out. And yeah. Mario was never going to do it this year. It was never going to happen in one yeah. year. I mean, maybe he has to prove something. You yeah, got to prove it. Yep. Yeah, you know, he's just, he's just got to, just got to win a few games here. More than a few games. They've got to start winning and then they'll get more people. And then, you know, the kids will be convinced because we know Mario is a great recruiter. Yeah. So um, I think that's, what's going to do it. Uh, The, the one thing I did want to say that was, I mean, I, Mario himself said it was disappointing is they, they just need linebackers. 
mm-hmm. linebackers. And I think he's going to end up going to the transfer portal. Yeah, um, yeah they still got a couple of spots, it sounds like, right? In terms of yeah, he's going to go to the – yes, uh, not a lot, but uh, he's going to go to the transfer portal. You can be pretty sure of that one. Yeah. And, and pick up a, a linebacker. Yep, yeah. I mean, there's obviously – I feel like um, – Everyone thinks of this time of year as transfer portal season, right? But but really, the there's kind of a second window, right, after spring practices. Uh-huh. I start to know a little bit where they yep. stand. More coaching changes will happen. Yep. Uh, and there's that other – there's an, an extra window uh, in the summer. Miami, pretty frequently in this transfer portal era, is, you know, they got Jared Williams late, right? That was like in the springtime. Um Obviously, Isaiah Walker, we haven't seen yet because of some, you know, some health issues, but obviously he was a May, I think a May edition. So there's, there's still got, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to add one more, I think, impact guy probably between now and, and the start of the season. Uh, I think, yeah, I think so too. And I think it, it's one of them's going to be a linebacker for sure. Yeah. So. All right, uh, we should wrap things up. We're going to do coaching staff next week, but I will just first get your quick thoughts. Kevin Steele, what do you think? Uh, good. He, I, you know, he has a lot of experience, and then yeah. again, you look and say, wow, he's been in a ton of schools. Why so many schools? <laughs> he's been like from here to there to there to there. The thing is. He's been he, at two schools in the last week. I heard he was in the office of Maryland on Friday. Maryland, <laughs> yes, apparently. I don't know. My, sor- my sources in College Park tell me he was in the office on Friday. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, hey, look, uh, Brian McClendon, it happened with George. Yeah. Miami followed, followed Mario. Have we even done it? I don't think so. It's good. I would have totally forgotten about it. But Brian yeah, that's McClendon, a, that's a miss. Yeah. receivers coach. Uh, co def- off, excuse me, off- co offensive coordinator co- follows Mario. He was at Oregon with Mario, comes all the way across country and, uh, boom, goes to his alma mater. I don't, I don't blame him. George is a national champion right yeah. now, defending national champ and he played there. He was a star there. Yeah. So that's going to uh, hurt recruiting wise too. Yeah. They, he's a really good recruiter and that 2023 class in Florida for receivers is as good a wide receivers group yeah, as I've def- seen. Yeah. It's going to definitely hurt. It's definitely going to hurt Miami. I'm sure Mario's had some fr- frustrating days the last yeah. few, last week or whatever, but yeah. not only is Miami losing recruits to Georgia and Alabama, they're losing coaches. Yeah, uh, yeah, and coaches who to recruit. Who recruit, yeah, arguably the two best recruiters on the staff. Yeah, who are really, exactly, who are really good recruiters. So, um, you know, and Ken Dorsey left. This is just coaching stuff, you know, Ken mm-hmm. Dorsey, who I was really hopeful. I, I, I would, I would have loved to seen him. He got a job as, you know, offensive coordinator, I guess at Buffalo, right? Yep, yep. And, um, so he's out of the picture. And, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure I know Mario has people in mind, but, um, we'll, and, you know, we'll, we'll find out soon enough. But Kevin Steele, um, he's 63 years old. He has a lot of great experience, a lot in the SEC. Yep. Um, and some other, you know, Oklahoma State he was at. And he's been at lots of Auburn, just a lot. Um, and everybody seems to think he's a really great, uh, choice. So. We'll see. Yeah. 63. Yeah. I mean, it's, this could be his last job, but, uh, 
he's got you know he's gonna like stabilize things right he's he's it's not the splashiest flashiest name i wouldn't say but he's got the track record and um you know he's got a He's got to lock that defense down, right? He's got good defenses. Like that's pretty much across the board. He's always had good defenses. Um, also, Ken Dorsey apparently hiring uh, Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, as his quarterbacks coach. So there go uh, go two Miami offensive coordinator candidates in one fell swoop. Up the I know. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap things up there. We'll 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 deep dive the coaching staff next week uh, with including more on Kevin Steele and maybe a little bit more on Brian McClendon's departure. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Uh, she's got all your signing day stuff covered. Uh, had a lot of stories obviously go up on Wednesday. Um, honestly, a lot of stories all week across the entire newspaper between signing day, NHL all-star games this weekend. Oh, obviously the Brian Flores at the Miami marathon. I, your story about the, uh, the Surfside runner was, was great. Uh, so I recommend everyone check that out. Oh, did you read the, you didn't, you didn't read the 91 year old? That I've not read that one yet. Oh my God. It's great. It's hilarious. Right. You have to read that one. Yeah. I'll check that out. So you can check all that out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. I've been up to my eyeballs and Brian Flores coverage. Um, but found some time to think about national signing day in the middle of it too. Um, it's been very <laughs> rainy and wet here in Mobile. I was hoping I was going to get to watch a little bit more, uh, practice at the senior bowl. But fortunately, I'm not missing out on any Miami guys because uh, it's not all. James Cook backed out. Like, I was excited to see him. Obviously, Miami Central guy, Miami Central kid. Um, you got uh, Jermaine Johnson. Apparently, I didn't see any of their practice uh, yesterday, but apparently he was fantastic, the Florida State defensive lineman, which is not surprising because he was unblockable when Miami played them up in Tallahassee. That's um, right. So, yeah, I'm rambling now, but. Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.